0: of any creature in the world hyenas are the least under the male gaze you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) like they could give two shits about the patriarchy
1: And welcome to Fuck Yeah, the podcast where we say fuck yeah to a good catch (laughs) up. I am one of your hosts, Sarah. I am joined by my very cozy yet fashionable Mm. co-host, Robin. How are you
0: doing, Robin? I am having a day. (laughs) (laughs) Say more. Well, I'm just going to say this is my fuck yeah, but also just like, what the fuck? This is. I, it's all the things. Today is everything all at once. I have not seen that movie, but it feels that. I everything just, everywhere all, at, all once. at once. It feels emotionally that way. Where, okay, so today, this morning, I got up at the crack of dawn and drove Max and my children to LAX and they got on a plane uh-huh. to go see. Max's parents, their grandparents, the boys, grandparents in France where they live. So they are going to be gone for 27 days. (gasps) Today is 27. Today is day one of 27 days that I am child free. Whoa. I, this is not, I have not had. That's longer than I thought it was going to be. It's 27 days. It's almost a full moon cycle. (sighs) Wow. So just so everybody knows, if you include pregnancy, which I think is part of parenting, it's been over a decade since I've been away from my kids. Like I think more than two days, I've not been away, more than two nights from my kids, usually only one night. I've never been alone overnight in my own house. And now I have 27 Whoa. days. I am, first of all, heartbroken Yeah, that they're gone Yeah, and fucking elated. (sighs) And I'm super tired and happy and sad. And it's just all of these emotions. I'm having huge revelations in therapy and stuff. I'm having all this somatic work is really starting to pay off. And I'm having like explosions of connections and things. Everything is super intense. But it does feel like the right thing in the right direction. It's hard to be away from someone. Like my oldest, we had a hard time separating. He's almost yeah. 10 and we've never been away for this long. Oh, It's very intense. But I've also for 10 years been hardcore caretaking for multiple people. And to have this time off is just... I mean, I've talked to so many different moms, especially, and they're like, what? You are getting how much time? Like, jealousy all around. I don't know. It's just such a weird feeling. It's so, it's such a privilege and such a heart squish, you know? It's really hard. You know, it's so interesting
1: because Ruby is about to go away with her co-parent For nine days. Yeah. And I've never been away from Ruby for that long, but I have been away from Ruby for five days at a time. Mm -hmm. And every week I have time away from her because I have split custody. Right. And it's so interesting to hear you, as you're saying it, it's making me think of. Oh, this experience that I have as a parent, I don't know that I really give voice to it. Mm. But it's incredibly destabilizing each week to be away from her. And there is a freedom. Like I... When I was going through my divorce, I had a friend and I did not appreciate it at the time who was like, oh, I've heard such great things from my divorce friends about being able to co-parent instead of, you know, having their kid full time. And I was like, fuck you. Mm. There's nothing about this that is great. I will never feel that way. And I'm at least in a place now where I can recognize some of the benefits of having some time to myself certainly, but there is always an undercurrent of tension that is in my body Mm. when I am away from my child and I do not have eyes on what is happening. Like I don't have any like control over what her environment is and it's not so much worry. Because I do have a really great co-parent who takes excellent care
0: of Ruby. Do you think it's because we feel responsible for them? Of course. And I, I feel like if anything ever happens to them, I feel an enormous amount of guilt that I should have somehow prevented it.
1: Yes, 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 yes. I feel very responsible for Ruby's path at this stage in her life. Maybe I will always feel this way. Mm-hmm. And it's like a rupture mm. almost in not in the connection, but in like,
0: what it feels like I am really like responsible for. Yeah. you think? I wonder if it's like a biology instinctual thing. Like we just feel like we need to Know that everything's okay. I mean, so like today, for example, I've been multiple times checking on their flight to make sure it's still in the air. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can and only imagine. At the imagine. same time, I am in my home alone, blasting music and rearranging and painting everything and having the best time. I'm like smoking weed inside, you know? <laughs> it's like balls out right now. It's so great. And I'm so worried, <laughs> yeah. You know, and heartbroken. I just feel like it's really, and it's not even heart. I, I know it's like a chakra thing. It's really my solar plexus and a little bit my throat. So when my oldest was, you know, we were cuddling and kind of crying last night about the separation, and I was like, but you know, part of it is this is something that in a way we have to get used to part of you growing up is that you'll spend more and more time not Mm. under my watch and not connected in that way. And this is sad, but it's the beginning of that. And I'm like, but don't ever like move out of Los Angeles. (laughs) I mean, I'm going to, I don't know. (laughs) Sometimes I'm like, Oh, Oh, they'll have to live with me because they won't be able to afford anything in Los Angeles. Uh, Oh
1: darn. (laughs) Uh, I just, someone just told me that they have done studies and something like over 90% of our time that we have with our kids is between zero and 18. (sighs) Isn't that
0: sort Mm -hmm. of unbelievable to think about? Yeah. You're gonna make me cry because it's, The relationship's so intense and so unique and so pure and so difficult and trying and exhausting and frustrating and it's like you don't want it to end and you're like also stop touching me you touch me too often and stop (laughs) saying my name all the time (laughs) like just the amount of times that i hear mom throughout the day To have that cut down to zero, although I will end up FaceTiming with them almost every single day, so I'll still probably have about like 10 or 20 moms in there. I just, I can't describe to you how often they say my name. (laughs) No, no, (laughs)
1: I've gotten to a point of being like, do you have to ask the question four times in rapid fire before I get a chance to even answer, do you you think that I'm not going to respond to your question? Have I ever not responded to a request you've had of me? (laughs) Is there a reason that you are asking the thing five times in a
0: row? Yeah every time you ask me a question. Yeah. Or I have the thing, and this is no fault of their own, this is neurodevelopment, but almost every question takes uh, like 20, it feels like 20 minutes to say a question. And I know it's not that long, but it probably takes a full 30 seconds for them to spit out the first vowels you know like it'll be like mom, I was mom so I was one mom so I was thinking that maybe mom remember that time and I'm like what is your question yeah. what are you trying to say but you, there's so much I have to actively be patient where I, I'll say to myself just be patient he, the question's coming the question's coming and then it'll be about tears of the kingdom and i'm like i don't
1: know <laughs> there's a uh, you know like there's a thing called google no yes. um there's <laughs> google this, it <laughs> uh, article i read uh, years ago now because you know just the self-regulation stuff i was having a, like i was getting really dysregulated oh, yeah. and there were a few tips in it some real classics the one that I liked the best was like if you find yourself getting dysregulated by your kid like take two fingers and tap the front of your forehead I need to do that and it helps just kind of get you present but it also just like there was something about like bringing you into your frontal cortex I think but also the connection of like their
0: brains are not developed yet like remember yours is so that one was really helpful for me oh, but, can I just say something about that real quick? Yeah. I feel like over time that will also give your kids a real good indication of where you're at <laughs> where it's like oh no mom just started tapping her yeah, head yeah, oh yeah, yeah, maybe we should a, back it up it's a good sign <laughs> um, but one of the other ones that was classic
1: and I did try it a few times because I am I'm actually a very impatient person and I, so having a child has been very difficult for me and i will get frustrated like and that's absolutely a failure of mine as a parent like i can be a a
0: bit reactive okay more so like there are much more patient parents out there i would say yes but i would not phrase it as a failure as one of your failures as a parent
1: i had some moments where i was regularly reactive it was at the time that I read this article. I and also, yes. So, I think we all have to. I, yeah. Go, yeah. But go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll, uh, maybe I'll one day talk nicer yeah. to myself about Language, Sarah. Yeah, <laughs> language. But <laughs> if you find yourself getting frustrated, instead of raising your voice mm-hmm. or like communicating in a frustrated way, start balking as a chicken. Ah, that's great. <laughs> I tried it a few times. Mm. It was truly bizarre. That's great. But it does really disrupt the moment (laughs) and everyone just kind of then laughs yeah and you shift gears I love
0: that one I love that yeah I do a thing that I picked up from Linda Belcher from Bob's Burgers where if I start getting frustrated especially particularly if I've told them to do a certain thing repeatedly I start singing it Oh, and so I'll start great. going, put away your clothes, put away your clothes. Yes. I've asked you so many times. you're making your mom crazy. I and, love it. And they think it's funny. Yes. And, it's, and, and yeah, so and then I get a little bit of the frustration out. Yeah. Or I used to sing to myself, particularly in 2020, if you've ever seen the never- ending story, I would sing um, never ending laundry. <laughs> and it just helps me get through it uh, that's uh, so great that's a somatic
1: technique yeah i didn't also, realize vocalizing didn't know. is something that can regulate
0: yeah your system and i this has been a big thing for me since i my last fuck yeah when i was talking about that big somatic release that i had since the boys have left which has literally been like 12 hours um <laughs> I have been doing a lot of music blasting and a lot of music singing. I do not know the lyrics to most songs. This, <laughs> I know a few. so But it, like Shebop was on, I don't know most of the lyrics, but I'm singing them anyway. And I'm getting goofy with it and funny and loud. And so I'm just trying to be really loud That's right great. now. It anyway. sounds
1: like you're giving yourself a
0: little bit of kid time. I'm trying. When you are kid free. Oh, That's so nice. Some yeah. play. So we're doing some listener questions today, and I have a couple questions for you too, Sarah. Oh, cool. So I think it's be a fun, chill episode. But first, I want to do a little bit of a correction and a little bit of a more information type of thing. Remember a while ago, you were talking about lesbian seagulls. Yeah. And then I started going off about hyenas, and it turns out I got a fair amount of it wrong. And there's a lot of interesting things that I didn't know. So, are you ready for some hyena action? Yes. (laughs) Some hot, hot spotted hyena action. (laughs) Everyone, sit back and let me blow your mind about goddamn hyenas. Now, this is specifically the spotted hyenas. Okay. These are the largest ones and the ones that you usually see in like the animal documentaries and stuff. So, this is an article that I found. On the Googles from ideas.ted.com. It was written by Lucy Cook in 2019. This is the one that had the most concise information, but all this information was validated by other articles that I read as well. So I'm going to be reading primarily from this one just for ease. The hyena is an animal that looks and hunts like a dog, but it is in fact a souped up member of the guess what family? Feline? mongoose oh what the fuck okay which makes it like you're saying more closely related to a cat than a dog okay but they're weasels (laughs) am i right a mongoose (laughs) is a weasel they're very large weasels (laughs) what okay even more baffling than what kind of animal the hyena is is the basic question of its gender The spotted hyena's clitoris extends almost an impressive eight inches and is shaped and positioned exactly like a penis. Hence, it's known in polite biological circles as a pseudo-penis. They can even get erections. The female spotted hyena also appears to sport her very own pair of testicles. What? So is this extra skin? Her labia have been fused to form a false scrotum and are filled with fatty tissue swellings. Which are quite understandably mistaken for male gonads,
1: but there are male hyenas, correct?
0: Yes. Okay. Okay. Because now I'm like Wait the a minute. appearance of males and females are so close that sex can only be determined with certainty by palpitation of the scrotum. You have to squeeze their balls to know whether or not they're male or female.
1: So everyone is having sex with everyone in the hyena world. It doesn't say that.
0: Okay. But you cannot visually tell the difference between males and females because the females have penises and testicles, not ones that function for reproduction, yes, but
1: but v- that appear yes. very similar to the genitals of a male hyena. I wonder what the evolutionary function of that is. Listen yeah.
0: to this. Sick. Okay. Okay. The female spotted hyena is the only known mammal with no external vaginal opening. Instead, she must urinate, copulate, And give birth through her multitasking (laughs) pseudo-penis. Okay? This last eye-watering feat is like squeezing a cantaloupe out of a hosepipe. And 10% of the first time hyena mothers die in the process. Mm. The fate of their cubs is even more precarious since the umbilical cord is too short to navigate the birth canal. That's not only twice the length of a similar sized mammal, but also includes the cheeky hairpin turn halfway down, up to 60% of cubs suffocate on their way out. Aww. So basically it looks like a male hyena is giving birth out of its penis. Wow. And that for some reason their clitoral penis has grown so long, but the umbilical cords have not. So the pups get stuck in there. 60%, you're losing more than half of your cubs. Why is
1: evolution trying to take out the hyenas? Do hyenas serve a purpose?
0: (laughs) I think that they are fucking each other with these phalluses and they don't mention in this article, but I think that must be part of the reason. But that's so nuts that your entire species looks like one sex. Spotted hyenas are unlike all other mammals in that the females are significantly bigger than the males and much more aggressive. Every hyena clan is a matriarchy ruled by an alpha female. In the clan's strict power structure, dominance passes down from her line to her cubs. Adults, males ranked last, reduced to submissive outcasts begging for acceptance, food, and sex. The female hyenas have really high testosterone. These androgens are produced by the mother's ovaries, which is unusual enough. So they're saying like the ovaries are producing all this testosterone. The female cubs are more sensitive to the effects of this testosterone at that time in gestation. So the spotted hyenas have an unusually long gestation period, and marinating in this prenatal androgen bath affects the development of the cubs' nervous system, so they are wired to fight from the moment they are born, and they already have the necessary weapons. Unlike most animals, hyena cubs emerge with eyes open, muscles coordinated, and teeth ready to pierce through their gums and eager to bite newborns often kill each other well wow. so I, I don't know it's like hyenas are just nuts well i just looked
1: up the spotted hyena because i want first of all the cubs are very cute they're very you
0: so look them up they're adorable and listen to this okay Maybe tell we can me. learn a little bit about intercourse Sex sees the male forced to squat at the female's rear, stabbing away blindly in an attempt to insert his erect penis into her floppy half-foot (laughs) pseudo-penis. So sex is docking. Uh A pretty tricky exercise that's completely impossible without the female's full cooperation. And this is what I love about this. I mean, it sounds like a real shit show being a hyena, but you do not fuck a female hyena that does not want to be fucked i'll tell you what (laughs) okay first of all she'll beat you up she's much bigger than you (laughs) i just when i was reading that i was like what the fuck hyenas like breaking all the rules i don't know animals are endlessly fascinating and to to say that like humans should be restricted to one type of sexual expression or gender expression is just completely yeah based on what's in nature
1: yeah that's so interesting it's a very different mating ritual than what you usually hear about and the perils of childbirth, it does kind of beg the question of how has that not been addressed? And how have hyenas continued to reproduce, I guess, just from the sheer
0: tenacity of the female hyenas? Dude, it sounds like through sheer testosterone alone, (laughs) they keep just driving (sighs) for it. Hyenas, I'm glad they're out there of any creature in the world hyenas are the least under the male gaze you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) like they could give two shits about the patriarchy (sighs) hyenas
1: robin i'm kind of excited that we sort of dropped to the ball on this uh listener question call out Mm -hmm. because i feel like
0: we could ask each other some questions yeah you know i was thinking That our first two episodes were us interviewing each other. Yeah. And a lot's changed since then. I would kind of like to do it again in a way. But I don't want to be overly self-indulgent,
1: you know? (laughs) Maybe at some point we should consider doing, uh, where are you now? But (laughs) I just legit want to know our opening questions because they changed this season and we haven't asked each other. Yeah,
0: I would love to do that. Robin, what's your favorite thing to wear right now? Well, I have two favorite things. I'm going to say my comfy favorite thing. I'm wearing it right now. It's the only dress I've ever genuinely liked. It's basically a long (laughs) t-shirt that has really big slit (laughs) up the side. Describe it. Yeah, it's a really long t-shirt. The only designer company that I'm into is All Saints because I'm like, oh, Gray, you understand my palette. It's kind of like gothy chic. I feel like. So it is an All Saints, and I loved this dress so much. I wore it to just being almost, like paper thin. And then I found the exact same dress on sale on like thread up or something. So I thrifted it online because I knew, I was like, I need that dress. I want it constantly. So now sometimes I'll wear both of them because they're both a little bit see-through. But around the house, it's like just one. And right now it's so hot and it's like that perfect amount of like no underwear, breezy vibes. I love it so much. The other thing that I'm really into is black lipstick. I used Mm -hmm. to be, you know, growing up in the nineties, hardcore black eyeliner, never any lipstick. And now the black has migrated down to my lips. I like to do no eye makeup or very little. Like I do this light powdery look that kind of makes me look like I've been crying a little bit. (laughs) Like I have the kind of pallor, like I have like no coloring around my eyes, unless I put it there. I know a lot of people don't like the dark circles around their eyes, but I find it as a no pigment around my eyes person, like kind of compelling. I'm like, oh, I love like just the darkness around the eyes. Like some people have smoky eye all the time. Anyway, I don't have that. So I put a little pink around the edges and all the time people will be like, have you been crying? And I'm like, well, maybe, I don't know. Sometimes, (laughs) most of the time, yes, but that's not why I look this way. (laughs) But now I'm just black on the bottom, matte, hard hardcore black i have noticed
1: you in black lipstick a lot yeah. and it's not on your teeth it's actually on your lips yeah it's
0: not on my eyes or my teeth just my lips it's weird it's fun though i can do feminine but it still has this you know like an edge to it so
1: your all saints hack it, this is one of my favorite things to do mm. find an article of clothing that i love Mm-hmm. Because I do like to spend money on single pieces of clothing. I really like having really nice statement pieces. Mm -hmm. My favorite company to do that with is Reformation. Their textiles are made responsibly. And they have these classic cuts that are just fucking timeless. But once I find a cut or a clothing line that I love, I just keep my search going in Poshmark. Yep. And those fuckers send you emails all the goddamn time. So I'll get updates whenever they've got like new Reformation pieces or like Diane von Furstenberg wrap yep. dresses are a favorite of mine. But it's funny right now, none of those things are what I'm loving to wear. Yeah, What what are you into? Well, I'm one of those people... Um, I'm sure there's many of you out there who can hard relate to this where I really fluctuate in size.
0: Mm.
1: I actually have a friend who does like rotations of clothing and will like put certain sizes away for a period of time and Mm. then bring them out when like her body weight fluctuates. So I am on my softer side right now, Mm -hmm. which I don't think I fundamentally... Like, I have a lot of negative messaging around that, but I feel like I've done a fair amount of work around getting comfortable with being softer. It's not my preference.
0: Well, I like the way that you're putting it, softer.
1: Yeah, yeah, a little, little rounder, a little softer. But the thing that sucks is is that clothes don't fit right I don't do a great job at like keeping all of my clothes and being like oh one day I'm gonna fit into this again or you know doing that rotation so I had kind of sized down my clothing so I have an article of clothing right now that I just love so much gosh oh Bowdoin is what it's called Mm. it's a British clothing line it can be really matronly (laughs) but every now and then they get it right so it's like kind of a broken brocade top that has slits in it so it's ever so slightly see-through what does brocade mean it's like um kind of like a stitched coarse material that then it has stitching on it sometimes brocade will be like colors this is just all black okay and it's it's a bit sheer It's not sheer because it's actually kind of a stiff material, but it has these slits in it. So it's like ever so slightly see through. (laughs) And it has these like slight little poof uh, shoulders. And it's all black. It's all black. Really nice detail. But then the skirt is this really soft cotton and it's super flowy. And so it just like allows me to be soft. Yeah. And it fits in a really like loose, comfortable way. Like I feel like I could wear it around the house, but I like wore it to work thing the other day and like dressed it up with a nice bag and nice shoes and it looked fantastic. Yeah. So I love comfort that you can dress up. That's kind of my jam right now because some of the other stuff that like my other styles is not
0: quite working for me yeah I mean comfort and being really well put together you're you seem to have broken the code for that because I I haven't tried quite figured that out I'm like but I want to wear sweatpants yeah yeah. you know (laughs) I'm like but what if I wear (gasps) really nice sweatpants now
1: I know (laughs) and then there's some people that just look so awesome in sweatpants I don't think I'm one of those people Oh, uh, pockets. The dress also has pockets. Oh, well, okay, then that's So, it's like uh, it's course. perfect. Yeah. It's like fancy on the top, comfort on the bottom, has pockets. Ugh, I love it. And that's so great. Who is your current
0: celebrity crush? That's a good question. I kind of I want you to go to f- go first on that one. Oh, okay, okay, great. I want to hear yours so I can ruminate for a second cuz well, I totally think short. you know mine, but it uh, so Oh, wait. Taika.
1: Oh. TT in our flag means death right here's the thing he's so hot mm-hmm. and I want to have a crush on him IRL. Mm -hmm. But there is something that I find kind of douchey about him. Mm -hmm. Like, I just feel like he's a little opportunistic. Mm. He's like having his moment and I like want to be happy for him. But there's something that's a little icky about it Mm. um, that I don't love. But like, I I mean, the Vogue spreads that he's doing with, uh, is it Rita Ora who he dates? Um, I mean, no, I think I messed that up. I don't know who he's dating. Oh, gosh.
0: She's well, gorgeous.
1: It, They're really hot. They are at the Met together. They do all these like photo high fashion Ugh. spreads. And I'm like, yes, you guys are gorgeous. But I think that you're kind of douchey. But Taika in Our Flag Means Death. Yeah. Is just, I, I don't crush on celebrities. I do not have that thing mm-hmm. of like seeing beauty from afar and desiring it. I can appreciate it. I think that there's beautiful people. It's actually something I find challenging about like Andrea has a lot of magazines and things from the 90s of mm-hmm. like supermodels. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Gal Gadot was an obsession for a while. Right. Like, there's these beautiful women that I just come across these like images of constantly when, especially when like when we moved and like all of her stuff is getting packed up. <laughs> and I'm like, God, I don't, I don't think I have that. Thing of just like there's just this beauty that is so far away from you and you desire it. I don't fantasize in that way. yeah. But there is something about Taika as Blackbeard
0: mm-hmm. that
1: just there's like a vulnerability to that character like mixed with the toughness and then the aesthetic of the long kind of wild hair yeah. and his color. I'm just like, oh, yes. Yeah. It's doing it for
0: me. <laughs> and his like 1700s biker jacket. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's a good point. I love Taika in that. I have a bit of a crush on him, but I have trouble seeing the douche. Like it never even occurred to me until you mentioned it. And I'm just like, Oh no, I think he's great. <laughs> yeah. I like Taika. I, I have a little bit of a thing for it. Not, I don't want to have sex with him, but, um, Timothy Chalamet has, a look where i'm just like kind of enraptured with it. I'm like I get it. I think if i was a teenager right now, i might be really into him. Yeah, i could he, see that aesthetic for yeah. Him. He's so, i don't know, just unusual to look at. Cuz i'm usually this way also where i don't crush that hard on celebrities. Since i was a teenager, i haven't really done it that much, but then i had during 2020, i had a weird obsessive crush that I actually, since I've told Max about it, but I was so into a particular person and so embarrassed about it because it's so unlike me that I didn't tell anybody for a while. And then I cracked it to you like one day on the playground because I just (laughs) couldn't stand that I, I, so, and this is like, I didn't know that I had ADHD, but in retrospect, it's one of those things. I got really into fucking henry cavill in the witcher and he was not on my radar at all i don't like pretty boys i'm something happened with that fucking guy specifically in the witcher which i have like a thing around nerd stuff like my brother was so into like nerdy things like the witcher when i was a kid that i mean the witcher didn't exist then but it's like that sort of fantasy and lore it's just too much of that like oh fairies and elves and like monsters and things he has like the white fucking hair and the ponytail i hate that i hate it (laughs) but the first time i turned on the witcher and i was like I saw him and I was like, "What am I looking at?" There's a dissonance in his look. Like I,
1: I could see why in that show he's also a real big douche. Apparently in real life, I I hate to to burst your bubble, but I mean, I think because his hair is so white yeah and it's not meant to be right it's almost like it gives him an edginess because i also think that he is attractive in a really different way from how you usually like he's not superman right like right he's not classically beautiful in that show yeah because in
0: he, superman it's like he's too much i'm like okay you're perfect we get it yeah, you're, yeah. you're good to be superman but superman's never been interesting because he's just like a pretty boy good good doer like who cares yeah right <laughs> but then when he's the witcher and I think also you're right it's the white hair and then they make his eyes like yellow and I just and then his fucking voice is just growling Ugh. and then they put him in a hot tub and shit and then I'm just like I so I did this super obsessive thing and I think it was a product of my stress over 2020, but I would secretly sneak away, I would screen record episodes and edit out everyone else but him. It would just be clips of him. It would shorten it, the episodes, to like maybe 15 minutes. And I would then just watch those. Because I would, I would started rewatching the episodes and just fast forwarding through the scenes that he wasn't in, like a maniac you know and then I was like why why do that why even do that I'll just make my own videos like (laughs) psychopath no okay I shouldn't use those words but I'm just like it felt it made me feel very crazy and so now that I know that I have ADHD there's so many instances like that where I look back and I'm like oh okay you were stemming because you were very stressed and this was like the thing that you latched onto and then you had so much shame around it that it probably made it even more enticing. You know, and it was my dirty secret. So then it became turned into a fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I was like, Sarah, we were at the playground. It was like our first time That's... meeting up in 2020. Yeah. I remember since, this. like the lockdown. And I was like, Sarah, look at this video I made. I have three more <laughs> of them in my phone. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's so good. You know, OK,
1: as we've been talking. I just had a thought about potentially why I don't crush on celebrities. Mm. And I'm really curious. I want to hear from listeners if this is maybe also your experience. Because now I'm like, is this what it has to do with? Mm. I think it took me so long to find my sexuality as a queer femme. Because I am attracted to masculinity. But I'm really attracted to like more masculine women right so it is the the gender play that's really essential for me and i don't think at those like formative years where you start crushing like i remember friends crushing hard on stars and I never had that. It I, Maybe it just always felt like it wasn't for me. Right. So there was just this extreme distancing. I mean, I also am just a very energetic person, I think. Like the energy of a person. Oh, I see. All yeah. my like you know, beauty standards and things I'm typically attracted to can be totally out the window if there's chemistry or energy or someone sort of ignites my curiosity in some sort of way. But I think maybe it's that I think it's that like there were not butch women, right? There are now. But it's not even like I really am attracted to them because I just don't think I have any muscle memory around it. I wonder if that's a queer experience.
0: Oh, yeah. And we know so much more about how our sexual fantasies are formed. I don't feel confident enough to quote it, but in Come As We Are, they talk about that. You know, you're taught like this is sexual or or like there's the mice that they were able to associate sex with a lemon scent. And then that produces sexual arousal when they just the mice would smell the lemon. And it's obviously humans are completely susceptible to that and i i'm wondering almost in in a uh, opposite-ish way if i just wasn't really really ingrained in me that this is the this is the sexual peak this is what you're looking for was just you know based on pornography that i saw at an early age mm, you know yeah yeah
1: i mean i think that that's a really common experience we've talked about that before the yeah. like, early imprinting of certain things like i definitely got really hooked on romance dynamics like I bought into mm. those classic kind of romance novels my grandmother had them sitting around and I would read them or like I, I think we talked about Titanic as like an early root yeah. for me like their dynamic together like I was like yes I'm sold I feel things on my insides but for some reason I've never had that kind of attraction to an image like it's always felt to like a playboy or a spread right? right in a magazine yeah it's like it's a piece of media
0: like my mind can't connect to it well i wonder if it's just that because partly because it's a visual medium and maybe that's not what really gets you it's like the personality and the story did you find yourself a, like kind of obsessed with meet cutes, like the idea of how you would meet the person that would be the one or whatever, or how the romance would play out, or even the, you know, draw me like your French girls kind of scenarios, maybe? Yeah, it might, it might be a
1: scenario and context based for me. I mean, when I took Jaya's erotic blueprint test, I am like clearly it's whatever the like BDSM Mm -hmm. kinky personality is which was interesting because I had long stretches of my sexual history where I did not practice any kink at all but I remember something from that profile that it is very much about that there has to be a little bit of dissonance Mm -hmm. and tension Mm. that's at play and I think that that classic beauty sort of what you're describing with Superman. Mm-hmm. Like, oh he's too pretty. He's yeah. too good. That's so much of what culture feeds us is these is this glossiness. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm like, where's the tension? So yeah, right. like what's the dynamic that what is in the dynamic that's exciting? Where's the tension? Where's the slightly asymmetrical
0: thing? Well and that's what you're talking about with your love of masculine women. Yeah. Right. That yeah. tension yeah yeah so all right so would you say you have a crush on a particular scenario or particular type of tension Ooh. i think it falls into two categories for me Mm -hmm. like i
1: think that when i think of power exchange in my own play I am a classic switch mm-hmm. because I love asserting power because you would not expect it from me based on how I usually show up in a sexual context, which is very high femmy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I like bringing as much high femness as possible and then dominating someone. There's that tension. Because you wouldn't expect it. Yeah. But I like being submissive mm-hmm. and like, being ravished mm-hmm. for the exact same reason because it's a different part of me that you wouldn't expect to submit so like if you are dominant enough to make me really want to be submissive to you right that's also incredibly hot yeah to me those scenarios bring out different sides of me and pull at them a little bit mm-hmm. with some tension yeah hmm Yeah, no, I'm crushing on your tension. (laughs) Sounds delicious. Okay, I do have a listener question for you. Okay. Because someone understood the assignment. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody was listening. Um, I think probably in general, listeners are really appreciating your shares around ADHD this season. Oh, Um, I know that I am also really appreciating it. I don't hard relate by any means, but I really appreciate your vulnerability, your transparency, how open you've been about it. And also just how embracing of this, this knowledge about yourself Mm -hmm. you are. You're like, oh, I'm learning a new thing about myself. (laughs) And I I think that that's such an amazing way to approach it. I'm totally inspired by
0: that. Thank you. I hadn't thought of it that way.
1: But uh, Carrie wrote in and asked, Uh what
0: is your favorite ADHD survival tool? Huh. Well, I will say I feel like I'm a little bit early in it to have a strong footing on that. But I've always been a lover of containers. Like I'm the kind of person that can walk around the container store and just be happy okay for a second like, I was like um, emotional actual, yeah, no, containers. I'm like talking about actual <laughs> containers I mean like Karen and I have talked about this like we've gone to the container store together at lunch just because it's enjoyable to look at all the containers and maybe think about buying but their containers are too expensive I never buy actually from there
1: Karen is a friend of ours who yeah. might also be a little like neuro spicy yeah
0: <laughs> so I don't know I just love containers and I've Now I'm in the process of completely redoing my closet with the idea of bins and hooks. So Mm -hmm. I've mentioned this a little bit, but I've heard from TikTok that bins and hooks are a really good ADHD hack. So I am going to try it out and let everybody know how it goes, but I'm super pumped about it. And you get to
1: indulge your love of bins. I
0: bought some felt. Okay. I bought some felt. Containers where it's like gray felt on the outside and then it's neon felt on the inside (gasps) of their variety of colors. So I've taken everything out of my closet. I'm going to paint the shit out of it. I'm actually thinking like I'm going to paint the entire room like a dark blue, maybe a dark teal or like an Eve Klein kind of blue where it's just like fucking blue when you go in there. And I just want to be enveloped in sleep is my idea. Like, Mm. and that's my sleep thing. So the whole closet will be this whatever dark blue but the back wall i'm thinking about making like neon pink yes so that it kind of glows from behind because it'll be so dark and i have so many dark clothes i feel like i'll lose my clothes so anyway the closet now is going to be there's shelves on one side that are going to have all of these felt bins that i can put my folded clothes in great Then I have my hanging clothes. That's my fancy shit that's costumery. And then I'll have a whole other wall that's just hooks. And I found these cool hooks that are basically like wooden doorknobs so they won't like mess with the shape of my clothes you know because i don't like it oh, when like a hook okay, like yes pokes a hole into your leather jacket so but there are these round like wooden pegs and i'm gonna paint them all neon colors and then i'm gonna paint witch symbols and eyeballs and <laughs> stuff on them with like just a gold marker just for fun to like go through the process yeah so i think that's part of the adhd hack really is like rearranging things so now it'll come out of the bin and instead of going on the floor because I don't want to refold them but they're not ready for the laundry I'm going to have designated hooks for tank tops and the other hook is for t-shirts and then I'll be able to rifle through it and just rehang shit and also the bins I'll be able to pull them out when I'm doing laundry and just fill up the bins as I'm folding This, I think, is going to be huge for me because it's going to be very satisfying in my love of bins (laughs) to use them in that way and just to pull shit down and, like, fill it up and put it back and just easy, easy, easy. No drawers. I can see everything when I open up my closet. I actually took out the closet doors and just have curtains for my closet so I can... Completely open it up and see everything or close it. I love this for you. Yeah. And I'm so I love the actual organization process. And I'm really hoping that this will be finally the thing that I can do to keep it somewhat reasonable because it turns into disaster real quick is one person on TikTok. She's an ADHD content person and calls it her floor drobe, you know, and I'm like, yes, I know what a floor drobe is. I definitely know what that is. I have that. So that's what I'm actually working on right now. So I will let everybody know how it goes, like in a couple months, if I indeed have a floor drobe or an actual ADHD compliant um, <laughs> closet. So that's my thing, work with your ADHD, not against it. And I think that's like the thing overall we've been talking about. It's like we have to work with our defense mechanisms and our neurodivergence. So I'm trying to make it fun to organize and make it visually exciting because I think I am a very visual person. So the colors I'm really excited about making it into a project with the hooks, and then also creating a system that works with your neuroses. <laughs> yeah, I
1: appreciate that call out you just made because I think both Dr. Lucy Fielding and Dr. Vanessa Carlisle. We know so many doctors. Look at all of these <laughs> fancy doctors. They both in their own ways this season talked about how to ally with your bodies. Mm-hmm natural responses so even if that's like a protective response or something that you might uh, have been programmed to shame yeah you know if your body tightens up you're like oh how do i get it not to do that but instead working with these points of difference that you have either in like your trigger responses how your brain works how your body responds to things I think of allyship kind of based on some things that they shared with us as a process of just really accepting and noticing. Yeah. Like, oh this thing is happening, it is giving me information that I can work with rather than it being like a thing that you have to fix. It's like when we worked in retail and and like working with difficult, angry, frustrated, disgruntled customers. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that this is a basic active listening principle too. Oftentimes, People just need to be heard. They just need to vent their thing. Same with kids. Kids, you make eye contact. You really give some presence. Yeah. Like you reflect back to them Mm -hmm. what they've said. That's your basic de-escalation tool. And the same is true within your own body. Yeah. Like you can easily de-escalate or minimize, like you're saying with the floor drobe, (laughs) like frustration in your daily practices by saying, hmm, having a little curiosity, noticing, oh, this is giving me good information that I can respond to. And I don't have
0: to necessarily problematize it. I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned and gotten out of this whole podcast. it's been like parallel to my therapy, which has been wild to experience. Like going through somatic therapy has been so huge to me. Like I'm finally starting to get some real progress in my depression and anxiety because somatic practices that I'm experiencing in therapy and these discussions that we've been having have been Hugely influential to me of just not only recognizing how hard I am on myself, but also making peace with all of these things that we see as shameful or that I was taught was shameful, like recognizing that anger is trying to protect me has been a huge release. Mm. And you're like, oh, what am I trying to protect? Who am I protecting it from or what? And it's such valuable information It's just wonderful to be in more observation and alignment with these things. So like the ADHD thing, what a relief it was for me to get that diagnosis because things like the floor drogue that I've struggled with since I was a child and been shamed for so much and that I hide in my closet. You know, I definitely do that thing where it's like I just keep shoving it in, just keep shoving it in and because it's shame. And now that I know I have ADHD, I'm like, Oh, okay. Because there's the other side to it where you also have this superpower. Your anger can become a superpower of motivation and getting you into the place where you need to get to, you know, as long as you're not getting like stuck in it. And the ADHD feels that way too. It has superpowers to it where I do have hyper focus. And the other side of that coin is other things get unfocused. And so I need to just work with it instead of being afraid or ashamed or hyper. Hiding it from people. Or it's also like you can work uphill against
1: something. Right. Or if it's accessible to you to find ways to just be in flow with that thing, it's probably going to be more harmonious process. Because everything's just going to feel hard until you can kind of identify, like, oh, what of these things do I actually? need or want to to change and what of these things can I
0: flow with with a little bit more ease? the flow it was water that made the Grand Canyon am I right (laughs) go with the flow see what you can do I feel very in the flow there is a lot of things going on that includes this podcast that everything is starting to synchronize and my path is clear to me for the first time in my life, it's bizarre. But this whole like, quote unquote, getting in touch with your feelings, it's out of quotes for me now, like I get it. I think this is like the thing of maybe when people feel like they have a calling or they just have confidence. Is this confidence? Like, I don't know what it is, but I feel so much more sure of myself and it seems so obvious now, but it really is feeling your feelings, recognizing them and accepting them, being okay with them leads to wonderful things. I had no idea. I've been struggling for so long. <laughs> Synchronicity is one of those things I think
1: that I pay attention to the most. Yeah. Now, you know, I used to kind of like look for signs of that I'm on the right path and now it's I'll notice when certain things are lining up. Or when there's like that domino effect Mm -hmm. of like this person heard it from this person and then like this other person heard it and that person's kind of just showing up at the right time. It's like taking a moment to notice when synchronicity is happening for me is how I feel like the universe talks to me. And sometimes when there's just a lot of struggle around a thing, I've learned to just go, oh, wait a minute. Yeah maybe don't try to push this boulder up this hill because that used to be my strategy. Yeah. I'm going to push this boulder up this hill and it's going to prove that I'm awesome. Yep,
0: yep. Or I used to think endurance, like if I could take it or I could work long enough or I hard enough or whatever, that somehow that would prove something like that of my value, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I think it's value related for yeah. me too, for sure. Yeah, or that I deserve to be here. Or something, and now yeah. I'm like, look, I'm a I'm a I'm a human animal, and yeah. I'm tired, <laughs> and I deserve to sit here, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, sure. There's a lot of entitlement wrapped up in that too. Well, it's so hard being a human. <laughs> I don't like it. I want to be a dog. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be a well-kept Chihuahua. Ooh. I I wish I could be Guapa. You would want to be a lap dog. I would love to be a lap dog more than a cat oh yeah oh as long as i was with a good person it all matters on who you're with even with a cat you know yeah if i was on the streets i'd want to be a cat Mm. okay fair enough (laughs) i see i i I see that and where do you stand on that no i'm just kidding i have a question for you
1: okay so not a listener question
0: what are your favorite tiktok accounts oh You know, I'm actually going to look at my TikTok just so I can reference a couple. Half the people on TikTok I want to ask on the show because I follow some good ones. I love Samantha Fox. She's at Lesbian Curiosity Coach. Oh, okay. I think that she came out in her 40s. Okay, But now she is coaching people And, and she talks a lot about or I should say they I don't know what their pronouns are. They talk a lot about compulsory heterosexuality. And how that affects people raised female. Interesting. Well, this is definitely a
1: person we should reach out to about coming on the podcast and talking with us. Yes. Yes. This is
0: really, I would be really curious about learning a little bit more about that. They do just a lot of talking about how people socialized as female can get just so much conditioning around that your life's goal is to get this man. Mm. and we're just also susceptible to that. I know that I have been heavily involved in that and what's I'm really questioning all of my sexuality right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, partly it was like reading those journals from when I had my basement flood and everything. So that episode really got me thinking of like, oh, I was writing about being queer as a teenager yeah, and not realizing yeah, it. Yeah, I remember that. And then I kind of put that to the side and just really was like, no, I am straight. I'm going to go for dudes, but I've always, always had a toe in the queer community and have always felt most at home there. But at the same time, it felt like there's this thin layer between me and the queer community because I identify as straight. So I feel like I'm a part of it, but I can't totally melt into it Hmm. because it's not totally my identity, Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. it kind of is. And now I'm like, After seeing this particular account on TikTok, she has me thinking about some stuff of like how much of my conditioning is involved with my attraction to men. It may very well be that I'm straight. I just don't care anymore. I'm really not interested in pursuing a certain gender. I'm interested in being with the people that I'm with and if I'm attracted to them, whether or not. They identify as any of the genders. I'm not that concerned with anymore. Like if somebody asked me today what my sexuality is, I would just say like none of the above. You don't resonate with pansexual? Well, I don't want to say pansexual because I think I'm theoretically pansexual. Like I have a sexuality. I'm purposely deconditioning right now. I masturbate now watching regular television. I'm in a spot now where I'm trying to just feel pleasure and not have my mind thinking about sex. So I hope I'm not like sexualizing Bob's Burgers too much. <laughs> <laughs> or I've been watching the Harley Quinn cartoon, which is really fucking good. I hope I'm not I mean, and that one's kind of sexual, but I'm just trying to decondition. And then I want to start at a nothing. Mm. I want to start at no fantasies and then see them come back. I want them to be based on people rather than concepts and ideas of roles and genders and stuff like that. Hmm. I'm tired of it. I did it real hardcore and I don't want to do it anymore. And maybe one day I'll be into it and I'm like, I'm a lady and you're a man and we're fucking. And like, I just don't I'm not interested right now because I'm really just. Dissolving my sexuality and then trying to build it back up in a kind of semi purposeful, somewhat embodied way. Interesting. My
1: friends who love tiktok say is that like tiktok gets to know you before you know yourself so it is interesting that the um, algorithm sent you someone who is talking about coming into an alternative sexuality whatever that it means for you yeah later in life who else do you love on tiktok i mean aside from obviously benjamin violet who we had on the first episode of this season
0: Anyone else
1: that's a standout?
0: I also love Mr. Larry. Mr. Larry is super big bear, gay, and um, does crafts. Oh, yes, 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 yes. And oh, I love him so much. And he also um, shows you he's dance. He's like the craft daddy, right? Yeah, yeah. He's craft daddy. And he can, he also does like pride dance moves. Oh, He was doing a so bunch good. of those. All of his stuff is so, so colorful. And he does all of these fun crafts. And he's also very, very positive. I just love all of the accepting, super positive accounts. Yeah, Yeah. all of those creators. Oh, there's another one, Sarah Camps. She's at Sarah Camps, like with a Z at the end. But she does this, I think it's maximalist fashion. And I love these videos. I'm going to send you a couple because... She does these get ready with me type things where she's like I'm going on a date and here's you know what I'm going to wear and she keeps adding more and more clothing that's more and more outlandish and ridiculous. I mean, she has these giant like plastic lettuce earrings, <laughs> you know, and she'll wear like egg glasses and then just Layer after layer after layer of madness. And it keeps going. You think she's done. And then she'll put on something else that's just, it makes you laugh. And she looks fucking good. Like, it is chaos and madness. And it works almost every time. She's fucking fabulous. I love it so much. I love maximalism. Because it's just, like, really (laughs) dipping into Indulgence. It feels like a very hedonistic design movement right now that I'm really enjoying. It's just like more, just do it, have it be weird and funny, you know? So, I do have one listener question that I thought would be interesting. Okay. So, Josie from San Jose was wondering what kind of self care practices we have. I mean, we talk a lot about self care and embodiment. Mm -hmm. What do you do? Okay, a couple of things I'll say on self care.
1: If you haven't listened to the Vanessa Carlisle episode yet on somatic practices, I think that there's a lot of wisdom in there for sure. Go back and listen to it. But I really resonated with something that Vanessa was saying about just simplify things, Mm. because I think that self-care has this weight to it Mm -hmm. that is a block for a lot of people so like i'm like super basic bitch around some of my self-care practices for me right now in this moment Mm -hmm. i used to be a little bit more elaborate about it i legit just try to notice those things that i enjoy So cooking for me is a really big thing. Mm. And now that uh, we're all living under one roof, Mm. I get to cook more because I'm not kind of going back and forth between houses. And I have a little bit more downtime than I used to. Yeah, And so when I have an opportunity to cook a meal for my family, I'm just noticing it. I'm noticing what I enjoy about it. I'm noticing a little bit of extra time I have to do it. The maybe slightly more complicated meals, like once, maybe twice a week that Mm. I get to do with my extra time. I'm in a workout routine right now that's fairly consistent, but it's not as intense as what I've done before. Where my mind goes is like, oh, you used to be able to do these reps faster or you used to do more weight. And so what I'm actively working at doing is just being in appreciation in that moment that I am taking the time to do the exercise Mm -hmm. and that I'm doing a nice thing for my body. And so it's just like, I'm just bringing a little bit of intention to some things that are just really simple things that are part of my daily practice that I enjoy. So just kind of putting my attention on them a little bit more. There is a pleasure practice that I like is my favorite and the one that I kind of promote to people a lot lately because it doesn't take a lot of time Mm. and it is entirely just using your imagination. I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast before, but I've definitely incorporated it into classes. Is
0: this the pleasure garden? Yes. I mentioned the Pleasure Garden to my therapist who specializes in somatic stuff. She loved it. It's really great. Yeah, Yeah. it's just
1: like, it's finding that space, kind of that internal space. It started resonating for me so much as like a working mom and like not having a ton of time. And like Ruby and I legit lived in a one bedroom apartment for years. Mm -hmm. So like not even having like physical space during the pandemic, like being able to like find the space inside myself that I could sink into and you just like go down seven floors you let the elevator doors open and it's a garden and it is whatever you want to put in there right and it doesn't even have to be real stuff like right now in my garden I definitely have a hammock and I have like this magical pool of water that's in the ground that is really dark kind of like mugworty but it's always like the perfect temperature Mm. and i float in it like my body perfectly floats at the top kind of almost like an isolation chamber type vibe and i go sometimes if i if i just have like a couple minutes like now i've been in my pleasure garden enough where i can really sink into it pretty quickly and i can like go and float in my little body of water wow And I have like a shit ton of stars in the sky and stuff that I look at. It's like this magical little place that I've just created inside my mind. Yeah, And it's so peaceful and pleasant.
0: I love that. That's really wonderful. For me, also, a big part of my pleasure practice that's come from this podcast has been noticing the little things. We've had multiple conversations about how... Pleasure doesn't have to be this multi-orgasmic thing to count. Yeah, And so even just this morning, I was in the shower and I was like, yes. And I'll say to myself, this is pleasure. Mm. And that simple thing of just like identifying it and feeling it in that moment rather than having my thoughts racing about what I should be doing or could be doing or whatever, slowing down and being in the moment is so important or there'll be these times where I'm so stressed about my kids and how you know I feel like I don't have space and they're but then there'll be these moments where we're you know having a really lovely time together and I've been more conscious of recognizing that this is really nice spending time with them this is like transient it's only happening right now yeah let's take it in it's the noticing it's the noticing that gets you present yeah oh so nice
1: and we notice you yes dear listeners (laughs) please be in touch with us find Mm -hmm. us on instagram and tiktok and threads (gasps) at (laughs) fuck yeah pod wow and uh email us we are gonna do like a legit listener question episode yeah, at some point. So make if you send us your questions, we will answer them. It's not going to be in the next couple of weeks because we have some pretty awesome guests coming up, yeah. actually. Yep. You can email us at fyeahpod at gmail.com. Bye. Fuck yeah.
0: Fuck yeah! Podcast is hosted and produced by Sarah Tom Chesson, hashtag my mom, and Robin Jennings. Theme music is by She, Her, Sir. If you're enjoying the podcast, it would mean a lot if you would write, review, subscribe, or share with a friend. You can get in touch by emailing us at fyapod at gmail.com or find us online at fuckyapod.com.